Our sermon text this morning will be in John chapter 11. We'll be reading verses 11 through 23, and then we will go to verses 38 through 44. So John chapter 11, 11 through 23. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to the fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha had heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord... If you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now let's go to verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on the account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. What do you uh, glory in? You glory in anything other than the cross? You are in trouble. Thankful that the Lord redeemed me as a 17-year-old boy. Changed my life. Thankful that we can be here Sunday morning, Palm Sunday, to worship and to sing truth. I'm thankful for those who've given their time and energy and led us in worship and sound folks and those doing all these recordings. I'm thankful for that. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. It was April 19, 1775. And after a, an unorganized skirmish, if you will, with the Minutemen of Lexington, Massachusetts. There's some British commanders. They ordered about 220 
troops in all to secure the north bridge across the Concord River and then continue about a mile up the road to the Barrett farm where a suspected cache of arms and powder was presumably located. By the time the British soldiers arrived at the North Bridge, there was a growing assembly of close to 400 militia from Concord and the surrounding towns had gathered on the high ground overlooking the North Bridge. So there was a, a skirmish, a, a small battle there at the North Bridge and that's where the first shots were fired by Americans. That's where we saw the first British fatalities and the first British retreat in the Revolutionary War. It's called the shot heard around the world and it set off a series of events that would change America forever. Now today, this Palm Sunday, we have two events that we're going to look at today that were like shots heard around the world. And first is being first being the raising of Lazarus from the dead and the second being the triumphal entry. These two incidences led to Christ's crucifixion, which of course changed the world and eternity uh, forever. So Palm Sunday, a couple things we're going to learn today about this triumphal entry. First is that Jesus is resolute in going to the cross. He's determined to go to the cross. The triumphal entry into Jerusalem was a, a willful act of Christ to accomplish the Father's will, and that was His sole desire. The second thing we're going to learn about the triumphal entry or learn from it is by entering Jerusalem, Jesus declares that He is indeed the Messiah. So the triumphal entry, it's important, it's significant as it is included in all four of the Gospels. So firstly, the Jesus being resolute, going to the cross. He's determined to do what the Father would have Him do. Well, Jesus began His ministry by calling His disciples to Himself and Jesus began doing miracles doing things that people had never seen done before. And he also taught the people. And he taught in such a way that he had authority, unlike the religious leaders of the day. And we get to John chapter 12, we see Jesus entering the city on a donkey to the accolades of many of the people there. And in order to understand the triumphal entry properly, you have to recognize that this is a complete reversal. What's happening with the triumphal entry is a complete reversal of all that Jesus has done in His ministry up to this point. Up to now, Jesus has mostly kept veiled His identity as the Messiah. Jesus would tell those He healed not to tell anyone. We see this time and time again. John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, When the wine ran out at the wedding in Cana, the mother of Jesus said to Him, They have no wine. And Jesus said there, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. In fact, five times prior to chapter 12, Jesus would say, My hour has not yet come. Again, in chapter 7, Jesus' brothers, they didn't believe He was the Christ, but they wanted Him to go to the Feast of Booths. In chapter 7, verse 6 through 8, let me read that for you. This is Jesus' response to them. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. Twice, Jesus told his brothers, His time has not yet come. But during the middle of the feast, Jesus slipped in quietly into Jerusalem. He began to teach in the temple, and it wasn't before long they were 
It says they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. John chapter 7, verse 30 tells us why he was spared. John, the apostle, explains, because his hour had not yet come. Then again in chapter 8, during the same appearance in, in Jerusalem, since he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him. Again, John explains his invincibility in chapter 8, verse 20, because his hour had not yet come. This is sometimes uh, called the messianic secret. The Jesus time had not yet come. It wasn't time for him to be lifted up. It wasn't time for him to go to the cross. So Jesus would, let, uh, would not let those he healed speak of him and tell what he had done for them. It was like Jesus was downplaying his messianic claims and he encouraged the others to do the same. The synoptic gospels, they share this repeatedly in Matthew chapter 8, verse 4. After Jesus had healed a leper, Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded. The one exception in the Gospel of John is in chapter 4 when Jesus was with the Samaritan woman. There he explicitly tells the woman that he is the Messiah. But we have to remember that that was in Samaria. In fact, the disciples were very um, uh, astounded that Jesus would even travel through Samaria. Not many Jews went there. But all of that changes with these two events, the raising of Lazarus and the triumphal entry. Notice chapter 11. We, we had that read for us this morning. appreciate Phil reading that. Lazarus is sick and his sister sent word for Jesus to come. And what did Jesus do? He didn't go. He deliberately delays going there until Lazarus has died. Uh, I was thinking about it. It's kind of like the, um, the Zippin' Pippin'. You remember the Zippin' Pippin'? Riding that at Liberty Land. Some of you uh, young folks don't know what Liberty Land is. But it was, an, it was a music park in Memphis that's, that's been shut down. But the Zippin' Pippin', you remember, those of you that are old enough to ride that ride, you remember that experience. It was a wooden roller coaster, and like all wooden roller coasters, the, the highlight of the ride was the hill, right? And so what happens when you get up to the big hill? You start climbing it, clank, 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 real slowly up the hill. And then uh, you get to the precipice of the hill, and then what does it do? It roars down the hill at lightning speed. That was the highlight of the ride, and that's why we liked it so much. But this, this whole experience is, is kind of like that. Jesus has been revealing himself to his disciples slowly but surely. It's kind of like that tick, tick, tick of climbing the hill, right? And then with one week to go in his ministry, one week to go in his life, we see a shift occurring. Events intensify. Animosity with the religious leaders increase. All the, it seems like all the miracles of the previous 10 chapters are only a prelude to what's about to happen with the raising of Lazarus all the way to the ascension. This shot heard around the world in Concord, Massachusetts. It set off a series of events that would change uh, America forever. The raising of Lazarus and the triumphal entry were like two shots heard around the world. It set off events that led to Christ's crucifixion. After Lazarus is raised, notice what happens. Let me read for you. Picking up where Phil left off in verse 45 of chapter 11. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. 
If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Now drop down to verse 53. So from that day on, they made plans to put Jesus to death. Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness, to a town called Ephraim. And there he stayed with the disciples. Jesus kept saying his time had not yet come. But if we think about that statement, by saying in each of these incidences that his time had not yet come, what is he, what is he also saying? He's acknowledging that his time will come in the future, right? Well, in today's text, his, his time has, has come. Our, our text today we want to continue with is, is chapter 12, verse 9 through verses 19. This is the triumphal entry. that says, When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of Him, but also to see Lazarus, whom He had raised from the dead. They'd never seen that happen. They never happened before. The man had been dead four days and raised back to life. They wanted to see Him. Verse 10, So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of Him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had, and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now this is John's account of the triumphal entry. Like I said earlier, each of the four Gospels has an account of this important event. But John's account of Jesus entering into Jerusalem for the last time is what we might say telescoped. Many of the things not included uh, are not included in John's account that are included in the synoptics. But here it's almost as if a switch has flipped. And not only did Jesus not quiet the crowd that day as he had often done previously, but in Luke's account, we're told that when the Pharisees opposed the people shouting of Hosanna rather than hushing the shouts of the people, Jesus affirmed them by saying, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out, right? Jesus deliberately stages this public demonstration to proclaim himself as Messiah in Jerusalem at the most widely attended feast of all. There were perhaps hundreds of thousands of people in the city for the Passover. Well, why would Jesus do such a thing? I mean, it's like stirring a hornet's nest, knowing you're going to get hurt. Jesus is goading the religious leaders, if you will, into action. And he did that to bring about such an abhorrence in the Jewish leaders that they would have to act, do something. They would have to, act, they would have to do something to bring about his demise and act they did. Jesus was deliberate about going to the cross. I want to point out to you that 
No one took Jesus' life. He willingly gave it up. He instigated the obstinate Jews who handed him over to the Romans. But John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18 says, For this reason the Father loves me, this is Jesus' words, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus willingly gave up his life. He was resolute. He was determined about obeying the Father and about dying for sinners. The second thing we learn from the triumphal entry is that Jesus declares himself to be the Messiah. On Palm Sunday, Jesus let it be known that he was the Messiah in two ways. First is he allowed the crowds to declare it. Look at verse 13. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Now, what they're doing here is they're quoting Psalm 118, verse 25 and 26. This is one of the psalms the temple choir sang on the way to the temple during the Feast of the Tabernacles. When the choir would get to the section Hosanna, the Hosanna part, they would wave palm branches in there. It's much like we, uh, Lord's Supper Day, first Sunday of the month, when we're all together, what do we typically do? We take the Lord's Supper, and a lot of times we have uh, this song that we sing. What can wash away my sin? And what do we have the children do oftentimes? We have them stand up and do their part. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, right? It's kind of what's going on here with this psalm as they sing it. When they get to Hosanna, they wave those palm branches. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they would sing. It could be a blessing to any person, any pilgrim making the way to worship. But this next line tells us that this blessing is for a certain person. It's for the king, even the king of Israel. So he allowed the, the crowds as he's coming into the city riding on the donkey to, to declare that he was indeed the Messiah, the king. The second way he let it be known that he was Messiah is he fulfilled the scriptures. Look at verse 15. Here, John is quoting Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. He entered the city riding a donkey because he is, Jesus is bound by scripture as scripture is an infallible expression of the Father's will. Why is Jesus riding a donkey, you might ask? Because he's the king, and that's how the prophet said he would come into the city, right? They're praising King Jesus, declaring that he's the Messiah as he enters the city. But is Jesus the kind of king the people hoped he'd be? I mean, Jesus taught with authority. Jesus did miracles that no one had ever seen. I mean, if he can bring back Lazarus from the dead, he should be able to do anything, right? Even rescuing the Jews from Roman oppression. See, the people, they were looking for a Messiah who would issue a, a call to arms and drive out the Romans to relieve them of the oppression of the Roman Empire. They were looking for a Messiah who would be anointed to lead the nation to victory over their oppressors. They wanted someone like David who never lost a battle. See, there was a, a problem in their thinking. The Jewish people as a whole couldn't combine the idea of a messianic king who would rule over them 
for them and lead them with the idea of a suffering servant that we see in Isaiah chapter 53. Most of the Jews were looking for a physical king to lead a physical kingdom. They couldn't understand that the Messiah foretold in the Old Testament and the one who would usher in the new covenant would be the king of a spiritual kingdom. See, Jesus didn't come to overthrow Rome and lead an earthly, physical kingdom. He came in Jerusalem, into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day. So later in the week, He could become the Passover Lamb who would die for the sin of man. That's why days later, instead of hearing Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Jesus will be hearing a crowd instigated by the religious leaders shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Don't release Jesus, release Barabbas, crucify Jesus of Nazareth. Let's talk about that, that lamb selection day. According to Exodus chapter 12, on the tenth day of the first month, every man was to select a lamb that would be the right size for his household to eat. The family would then keep that lamb until the fourteenth day. And then they would kill and eat that lamb as a Passover meal. And the day that the Israelites picked the lamb for their families was known as Lamb Selection Day. It was a very festive day. It's similar to maybe our... Um, Back in the old days, as people would um, pick out their their turkey for a Thanksgiving meal, kind of similar to that. But on the very day that the entire nation of Israel was picking their special lamb, Jesus rode in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover with his disciples. And by coming into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day, Jesus was saying in an unbelievable, symbolic way, "I'm going to be your Passover lamb, the lamb that will save." you. Here I am. I'm going to be sacrificed for the sin of each one of you. Triumphal entry. Preceded by the raising of Lazarus. Very important. Those two shots were needed, they were necessary because they were used by the Lord to instigate the religious leaders, lead to the arrest and the bogus trial that would lead to the crucifixion of our Lord. How do we apply this text today? Just one point today. Jesus forced these religious leaders' hands, yeah, using their lack of faith, using their rebellion. We see God's sovereignty at work, don't we? Jesus goaded them by raising Lazarus and by entering Jerusalem to the praise of the people, declaring He was the Messiah, and by doing so in a way that fulfilled Scripture. He did all that so He could die for sinners. Isaiah 53, I mentioned it earlier, verse 5. Let me read that for you. This is a prophetic 
verse speaking, pointing to Christ. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Let me ask you a question just by way of application. Can you use a first person singular pronoun in that verse? I lost some of you, didn't I? You're like, I haven't had grammar in a long time. Put it in layman's terms. Can you say that Jesus died for you? Could, can you say this? Can you say this verse in this specific way? He was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The punishment that brought me peace was upon him, and by his wounds I am healed. Can you, can you say that? If you can't say that and mean it, I want to encourage you, by way of application today, I want to encourage you to repent and trust Christ's work on the cross as your own. He was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. Can you say that? Truly, we all like sheep have gone astray. But in accord with His grace, the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. See, death was, death of, the death of Christ was a necessity. Jesus knew that. In fact, verse 23 and 24 of this chapter, Jesus says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It bears much fruit. Jesus entered Jerusalem that fateful day deliberately knowing that it would bring about great pain but also knowing it would bring about the redemption and salvation of lost sinners. Will you repent this morning? Will you turn from your sin and living for yourself and trust Christ's work on the cross as your own? That's our prayer this morning. We sang a lot about the cross and on Good Friday our Tenebrae service we'll focus more intensely on the cross and what Jesus has done for us. So I want to encourage you if you are able on Friday night at 7 p.m. we'll have a Tenebrae service together via the internet and next Sunday we'll celebrate the resurrection of our Lord on Easter Sunday so I encourage you to join us again 1030 next week let's pray and we'll have our benediction Father we acknowledge you are good to us we praise you for being sovereign over all things we recognize you are in control of all 
how Jesus repeatedly said his time had not yet come, but yet on that Palm Sunday, his time had arrived and he went to, not only to Jerusalem, but he went to the cross. Father, we're thankful for Jesus and his sacrifice for us. We're thankful for those who are hearing this message who've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, who've been won over to you by the Passover Lamb. Lord, but there may be many who are listening even now that are yet to trust Christ. Father, may you allow the sweet gospel message to ring loud in their ears. May they have their eyes spiritualized and spiritual ears open this morning. And may you grant them faith and repentance. They too can be redeemed. We thank you for this week. What a sweet, special time in a believer's life as we celebrate Passion Week, the last week of Jesus' life. Lord, we're thankful for Jesus' death, but Lord, we're so thankful for His resurrection where death was defeated and sinners could be justified. What a blessing. We look forward to celebrating Friday and, and next Sunday. Bless us, Lord Jesus. Use your church this week. Lord, what a unique and interesting time we're living in. But Father, you're not surprised by it. You're sovereign over it. Father, may you direct the steps of your church to share the good news of Jesus this Easter season. In Jesus' name, amen.